There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. everybody welcome to friday we made it to the end of the week y'all today is august 25th 2023 welcome to episode number 438 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing podcast getting shot out of a cannon this morning i hope you're all doing well my name is dr gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes me you matt mcdaniel ayodej johnson i saw a lot of white all up in here brian white not only it alana uh Boyajin, marcus kyler tj zimmer nicole q depp Matthew Necci, Funky Monk, Leon Elliott, John De La Cruz, so many members of the Simply Cyber community coming on over at LinkedIn, coming in hot on YouTube. Long time and first time, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I can't wait to do it. I am pumped up. Now, I want to uh, remind you that I do not brief or prep for any of these stories that we're going to be going through, so believe me, you're going to be getting my raw, hot first takes on everything. Good morning to Kimberly as well. Now, guys, check it out. I am going to be going through these stories, giving my expert opinion and analysis, and you will be able to take this information and apply it at your work tactically today, long-term, strategically, as you're looking at 2024. Believe me, there's massive value in here. Understanding what is actually going on in our world is a foundational piece of any practicing information security professional. Believe that. Also, if you're looking to break in, I know there's a lot of you in this stream right now who are looking to break in absolutely got value for you believe me first of all you're going to be asked straight out the gate what do you do to stay current in the industry at any job interview in cybersecurity? this right here dynamite answer secondly if you're trying to break in believe me i know there's an absolute smorgasbord of terms concepts paths you can take what am i doing does this even make sense where do i start just immerse yourself in this. The easiest way to get swimming in the pool is to dive into the deep end and just start consuming terminology, concepts, meeting people, networking is absolutely dynamite. Believe that. Johnny Five's in the house. I see you, Johnny. All right. Good, good musician, by the way. Johnny Five's Simply Cyber Community Challenge post was dynamite. Loved it. All right, guys. Now, remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So coming in hot. You're like, half a CPE, what do I got to do with that? Well, don't worry, because if you're a regular member, which you should be, you, it stacks up two and a half a week, 10 a month. That's phenomenal. Say what's up in chat, hashtag team live, and then take a screen cap, file it in a folder called awesome sauce, and just you know keep, collect it. And if you ever get audited, boom, you're off and running. No problem there. My team replay people, hashtag team replay. I see you high fives all down the line, team replay. 
Uh, and for those, by the way, some people messaged me and said, hey, listen, um, I was team live forever, but I just got a cybersecurity job and now I got to be team replay. And you know what I say to that? Let's go. I, you know, there's no shame in team replay. You could be team replay and good on you for getting that job. And you know who I'm talking to. Um, also, hashtag passive observer. If you're uh, not really uh, interested in the stream of chat going by right now, or you feel a little nervous or whatever, dude, take a step. Say hashtag passive observer in chat. Let us welcome you into chat. This is a great community. This is an absolute uh, gem of a supportive group. The cyber guy, special agent retires in the house. Hashtag first timer. What's up? We also love our first timers like cyber guy. Hashtag first timer. If it's your first stream today, you picked a good one. Believe that. Can't wait. Hey, what's up, Medusa? Good to see you, Ray. I see your posts on LinkedIn. Always positive and bringing in the heat. I love it. All right, guys. Before we get into the stream, I do got to pay some bills. Also, shout out, unsponsored, but Sweetwater, if you do anything, listen, if you do anything with audio, Sweetwater is absolutely phenomenal. I love Sweetwater, okay? I don't do a lot of audio. I'm not a musician. Johnny Five, I don't know if you know Sweetwater. This company's out of Indiana. You want to talk about the absolute best customer service in the world? Like, you get assigned a guy, and then, like, whenever you have problems, you just call your guy, and the guy's like, oh, no, 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 what's your problem? Boom, 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 I got you. Bing, bing, bing. Phenomenal. Love myself some sweet water. Enough that I bought a shirt. All right, but for, for real, let's talk about cybersecurity stuff. I want to say shout-out and thanks to Barricade Cyber Solutions, my good friend Eric Taylor. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Whether you're getting impacted directly, a third party impact, you got something you don't even know what's going on, you're sniffing an info stealer on your network, somebody, Carl. Stuck a USB drive in and things started popping up, little terminal shells. Call BarricadeCyber.com. Simple as that. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi. Panopsi Security, they're your partner who understands and really can help build your information security program. Panopsi can do a lot of things, including a quantified risk assessment. But here's the TLDR on them. I know this company. I know the brain trust behind it. They are awesome. Here's the deal. If you are in information, if if you're responsible for an InfoSec program, I don't care if it's a small business, medium size, whatever, and you don't have a plan, you're literally just like reacting to things. That's not, I mean, that's fine. That's like a tier zero maturity level. And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just, you know, objectively defining what your maturity level is for an information security program. I'm sure you're a very mature person, but here's the deal. Maturity level zero you got a lot of risk there, my friend. And there are standardized, well-defined, lessons learned practices to build an information security program to take you from reactive to proactive, to take you from trying to close all the doors instead of in, in, instead of focusing on just the doors that access critical assets. So call Panopsi, get them in, make them your partner, and they can help you develop a long-term strategy that can take you from zero to hero, frankly, as an information security program. All right, also wanna say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. 
Woo! All right, guys. We got ourselves a humdinger today. Uh, 20 seconds till go live. Uh, let me take a slug of coffee. About 15 seconds and we're going to get going. So settle in. Do me a favor. Relax. Get your favorite cup of coffee or if it's in the evening, your favorite drink. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. See you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, August 25th, 2023. Lazarus Group exploits Manage Engine to drop new rats on internet and healthcare. North Korea's Lazarus Group has been observed exploiting a critical vulnerability in Zoho's Manage Engine service desk in order to attack organizations in the U.S. and the U.K. Their targets have been Internet companies as well as healthcare providers. The attacks involve the delivery of Quite Rat malware, an improved version of Magic Rat, as well as a new remote access trojan that is being called Collection Rat, which belongs to the Early Rat family. Researchers state that these new approaches help Lazarus, quote, leave fewer distinct traces behind and hence make attribution, tracking, and the development of effective protective measures harder, end quote. All right, so a couple things here. One, Lazarus, uh, if you don't know, now you know. They are the, um, they're one of North Korea's uh, top-tier hacking groups. They're usually focused exclusively on financial gain. So they're the ones who are trying to steal money. Basically, <laughs> they're North Korea's like chief export um, for their GDP. That's where they get their money. Although, as reported in yesterday's news, we're seeing a consolidation of their crypto wallets and the FBI suspecting they're going to try to cash out about $40 million. They have about $2 billion in stolen, ill-gotten money from Lazarus Group. But you know what you can do? Is the podcast quiet? Somebody? Uh, we'll have to figure that out. Um, but here's the deal. Um, they, they've actually started flexing a little bit, uh, Lazarus Group. Now, th like this attack right here, they're installing a rat, which is a remote access Trojan. It basically allows them to come and go as they please. Think of it as like team viewer, except it's, you know, wicked malicious and not uh, obvious to you that they're in there. That's what the rats are. And then uh, secondly, uh, they said they were installing something else. Uh, oh, no, it's just the rat. And they're attacking, you know, a Zoho service desk engine, or they're compromising it to take down a healthcare organization and an internet backbone uh, company. Those aren't typically their their bread and butter, right? Usually, Lazarus Group goes after fat whale clients uh, who have lots of money and are easy targets, right? Like the country of Bangladesh when they tried to steal a billion dollars from them uh, back in like 2014 or something like that. So this is interesting. Uh, a little bit change in the TTPs of Lazarus Group. I'm sure Kim Jong-un is just directing them to do what they're doing. Uh, highly effective. If you want to know what they look like, you can Google Department of Justice um, Lazarus Group indictment, and you can see their pretty faces right there. Um, there isn't much I could say as far as like, what do you do? It's This is one of those ones where it's interesting to stay current on it. Um, I would check out the CVE and make sure this is from last year, the CVE around this manage engine. I don't, I didn't even know manage engine was a company. Like, so if you're using manage engine in some capacity, 
Um, you definitely want to be mindful of this. It says there's Service Desk Plus. So I assume this is some type of um, SaaS solution that allows you to take tickets and you know send tickets and stuff like that. So you obviously don't want to rat on your um, on your network. Uh, one other thing they, that is worth mentioning here, Cisco Talos. Jesus, I don't know what website this is, but oh my God. Uh, Cisco Talos um, is, it's kind of like the research group, security research group for Cisco, uh, Cisco, and they put out blog posts and stuff like that. I think Cisco Talos is pretty legit as far as um, good information coming out. Like Palo Alto's Unit 42 is another one definitely worth talking about. So, you know, if you catch those, if you want to subscribe to some blogs, uh, that's a good one to go to. Um, and then obviously <laughs> with rats, with rats on your network, whether it's Lazarus Group dropping remote access Trojans or someone else, um, you will see C2 traffic because they have to communicate back. That's the whole point of it is it's for remote access. So of course, somebody as sophisticated as Lazarus Group is likely going to have a pretty um, nice quote unquote, nice C2 infrastructure. You're not going to see C2 traffic back to North Korea. They'll probably pivot through some other, um, you know, countries and such. All right, let's go. Let's see. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, here we go. Let's see if... Vulnerabilities in Rockwell Thin Manager threaten industrial control systems. Researchers at Tenable discovered the flaws now tracked as CVE 2023-2914-2915-2917 in Thin Manager Thin Server, a thin client and RDP server management software used mostly for human-machine interfaces that control and monitor industrial equipment. Exploitation could lead to denial of service, file deletion, and file uploads. Tenable told Security Week that, quote, the only requirement for exploitation is access to the network hosting the vulnerable server and that successful exploitation can allow complete attacker control of the thin server, end quote. All right. The vulnerabilities were reported to Rockwell, who informed customers about patches on August 17th. Okay, so really quickly, um, I, I, I know that this is... Um... This is like really a petty thing and it's really a, a, a niche thing. But like when you say, I don't know if you guys can see it. I'm highlighting in the story down the bottom that the sub headline says Rockwell Automation Thin Manager Thin Server vulnerabilities could allow remote attackers to take control of servers and hack HMIs. This is deceptive and misleading because it, it's not, I mean, you have to be remote, but you have to be on the network already. Remote doesn't mean remote the same like I, it, remote isn't always mean remote, right? There's remote where I'm somewhere on the internet and I, you know, hack into it. Then there's remote where I'm somewhere on your network and I can access it because of, you know, it's on the same IP range. And then there's local where you're like standing at the box. This is your at the network. So when you're doing your CVSS score, one of the dimensions of the calculation when you're calculating how bad a vulnerability is zero to 10, you use a CVSS formula. It stands for Common Vulnerability Scoring System, I think. Um, anyways, the point is, one of the dimensions or variables that's used is how close, you know, uh, proverbially close to the asset do you have to be in order to exploit the vulnerability. So remote, internet, you know, et cetera. So first of all, that's one thing. Second of all, this is... Uh, uh, this is operational technology or OT. You will hear OT and IT. If you're if you're not familiar with OT, it's basically like industrial control systems. Rockwell is a major player in the 
operational technology. Think of cyber physical systems. So think of uh, at a water plant, you're treating the water and you're dumping this amount of lye in and you're transferring the water from here to there. Or, a, you know, an enrichment facility where you're spinning the rods and you're controlling how fast it's spinning. I see you, Natanz. Or, you know, whatever. You're like, you're mixing chemicals and you got to vent gas into the atmosphere, but you can't vent it before, you know, before it's been treated and not poisonous because you can't drop poison in the air. This is what operational technology does. And the problem is, is that for years and years and years, OT was in place, not really thinking about security, a la like something like Telnet back in the day where it wasn't really thought of to have security. And now we're integrating them with IT just like this. This is a perfect case study of integrating IT into OT systems. Oh, hold on. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Guys, let me fix the ticker at the bottom uh, really quickly. Uh, I like really quickly. Um, I was coming in wicked hot today. I had to take one of my dogs to the vet and, uh, I had a seven 30 drop off and guess who was, Oh my God. What the guess who was there at seven 20? I'll give you a hint. It was me. Okay. So I get there at seven 20 doors open at seven 30. I'm the first one in the door. I get ushered quickly to a room and then I stand there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And then they come in like, hey. And I'm like, hey, I got I got stuff to do. And then and then I boogied home. So I came in like two minutes before the show started. So thank you, uh, whoever reminded me. That should fix the ticker at the bottom now. All right. Uh, thank you for that mild disruption. Uh, in conclusion, if you're working in an OT environment with Rockwell, thin manager, thin server, it could get totally pwned. Be mindful of that, um, but you probably already know that. OT is a thing. Like, <laughs> like, here's the thing. If you have OT Rockwell gear in your environment, you already know what I'm saying. You already know what I'm talking about, right? And if you're looking to move into an OT environment, say you live in Texas or North Dakota where they have a lot of this kind of tech around, this is a good opportunity to educate yourself on a current story Um and use that little bit of information about OT and IT and how IT is coming more into OT over the last, like, say, 10 years or so to blow away uh, interviewers' minds. Mississippi hospital system suffers a cyber attack. Boo. Another day, another hospital system suffers. This time, it's Singing River Health System, which runs three major hospitals and dozens of clinics and centers along the Gulf Coast near New Orleans. A spokesperson has declined to comment whether ransomware is involved, but states that, quote, all systems are currently offline, end quote, and people are using workarounds, including paper and fax machines, to serve patients. Yeah, okay. It, it's ransomware, okay? Like, <laughs> Did I just hear a dog bark? That's weird. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. I swear to God I heard my dog yelp. Um. But he's he's right there. My other dog is just there. Um, okay, guys. So this this sucks. Um, this is becoming basically status quo. It, it's funny. It's not funny at all. But it's interesting that manufacturing. Just so you guys know, manufacturing leads the list in, um, it in, in industries targeted by ransomware. Okay, but we have been seeing a what I would consider a material uptick in healthcare systems being attacked. And I don't know if I have recency bias because I've been putting together a, a, a talk 
for a healthcare entity that I'm giving in September. And a lot of it has to do with ransomware. But I feel like um, there's been multiple stories. Illinois got hit uh, like on Monday, we talked about. This is Mississippi. There was the sick kids. There was another one in Louisiana not too long ago, a healthcare system. Guys, here is the deal. I, I'm not going to belabor this because I've said it multiple times on the stream. So I'll just do 30 seconds on this. In the United States, if you're not paying attention, healthcare systems are consolidating. It's like you're either getting acquired, you're merging, or you're going out of business. Like those are your three choices. There's no like just you know Netflix and chill in U.S. healthcare. So at some point we're gonna we're gonna land in some type of like three you know there's three businesses that are like where you get your healthcare. Because of that though, when you merge two businesses, I don't care, well, really healthcare, because there's a lot going on in healthcare. When you merge two healthcare businesses, it is a hot mess on fire. There are so many entanglements. Just think for a second. There's the networks themselves, whether the whether the gear matches. Then there's all the cloud systems, right? You know, uh, your staff is accessing Cerner over here, but you're an Epic shop. So you got to teach everybody how to use Epic now. And you got all this um, Cerner software and licenses and stuff, which doesn't typically matter to InfoSec people. But what does is that how do you get all the data out of Cerner and into Epic? For example, those are two different EHR applications, right? And then there's maintenance it's a hot mess on fire. And oh, by the way, if the existing network you're uh, merging with yours is infected or actively compromised, that's a fun little parting gift as you uh, you know step away from the uh, the trading table, right? So you that becomes your uh, incident, okay? Plus, you don't even know what kind of VPN connections and third party integrations are going on. So, hospitals and healthcare, it is um, deplorable that people are attacking those because that's where people go when they're sick. So you're obviously a scumbag if you're attacking a hospital, but for what it's worth, uh, you know, like <laughs> it sucks, but they are a ripe target. They're a very ripe target. They're kind of, in my opinion, in the industries, like financial services typically has like some of the best um, security and they invest heavily in security. And then like education is like down at the bottom and they suck at it. And like, um, uh, like local and state government, they're terrible at it. And then like healthcare is kind of in the middle. I put healthcare like middle, maybe like upper quadrant a little bit, but with all these mergers and acquisitions, I'm telling you, it's, it's a dumpster fire. All right. Also you got to, they didn't say ransomware. This is ransomware. You got to do all the ransomware things, guys, protect, respond, recover, test everything. NIST publishes draft post-quantum cryptography Oh, standards. yes, NIST. These standards, published yesterday, Thursday, are the result of a project that started in December 2016, when NIST invited public input into the post-quantum cryptography process, that's PQC, all in anticipation of Q-Day, that date when quantum computers will be able to break existing cryptographic algorithms. The three Federal Information Processing Standards, FIPS, numbered 203, 204, and 205, are now open for industry feedback, with a deadline of November 22nd of this year. A link to the NIST announcement is available in the show notes to this episode. All right. Oh my God. There's going to be like Q-Day t-shirts made. There's going to be, marketing's going to get all up in, in Q-Day. All right, here's the cool thing. Uh, quantum computing... 
I'm, I, I'm not going to say Q-Day anymore, okay? Quantum computing is right around the corner. We've, we've almost, we as a society, have almost cracked the code, not just on how quantum computers will work, but actually how we're going to cool them and, you know, make them, uh, make them mainstream, okay? Here's the deal. And this is what this is about. NIST has been way, um, way in advance or has been working di diligently on developing encryption algorithms that are quantum resistant, right? So there's that's one thing that's going on. And then two, um, in this case, they're publishing quantum, uh, like what to do once quantum computers can break your current encryption algorithms. So I just like to think of this, if you want, from the NIST cybersecurity framework, making new quantum encryption algorithms or quantum resilient encryption algorithms is the protect phase of things, right? Left of boom, left of bad. And this guidance right here is for right of boom, where bad things happen. The other thing I want to remind everybody and like, I don't, I try to avoid cryptography. For me, it's like, give me the unbreakable algorithm and I'm good to go. AES 256, let's go. I don't want to get any deeper into the maths. But what I will say about this, and this is an important thing to uh, notice or, or be aware of, when quantum computers come out and AES 256 can be broken, yes, that means that now your communications, your, your, your encrypted disks, all that stuff, um, it, it can be broken. By the way, I just want to point out that you could use that quantum encryption or quantum computer cracking encryption to break encrypted files encrypted from ransomware too, by the way. Not, not, not an easy task. It could take time, obviously. But I'm just saying there is a good use for using quantum computers to break encryption. It would break ransomware. Although I, I suspect ransomware threat actors are going to move to quantum encryption as soon as they possibly can. Um, prediction. But, but here's the, the, the final thing I want to say is any data that you have or any nation state has sucked up, right, that's been encrypted, they will be able to retroactively go and decrypt. So that first story about Lazarus, you know, hacking into an internet service backbone provider, just imagine, if you will, this is completely uh, hypothetical, but it's, it's plausible. Imagine, if you will... Lazarus breaks into that internet service backbone provider and does an adversary in the middle attack. Basically just forks the data and is just sucking it up wholesale. Okay. Massive amounts. Oh, it's all encrypted. Don't sweat it. Yeah, no problem. They just have a huge data center in, is it Pyeongchang? Is that the capital in North Korea? Like they have a huge data center there and they're just sucking up data. Right. And then when this quantum and computer stuff comes out, they just go back and crack it all and figure out who's saying what, who's talking about what. Um, military communications around the Ukraine, encry like encrypted um, memos around BRICS and NATO, BRICS and UN, like like there's a million things, right? The whole reason we encrypt data is, is to um, protect its confidentiality and that will be compromised. The second thing I'll say really quickly is you've got to remember too, that cryptography and encryption isn't just about confidentiality and encrypting data. It's also about integrity. What's up, my CIA triad people? It's also about integrity. And when I sign a email or when a five-star general signs an email and says, launch the nukes, and it's got that private key signature on it, and they're the only person who possibly could have signed it, that gets blown up too because you can you can crack you can crack that and get the public key counterpart and, and get the private key. You know what I'm saying? So like, you got to be careful. There is a lot to 
when this quantum computer comes out and is able to crack things. Okay. Oh my God. Ugh. Just need to need to um need to shake it out. Oh, little T Swift, shake it off. <laughs> shake it off. And now a word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. Is your company scaling? Do you need to quickly add more compliance frameworks but don't know where to start? Hyperproof has you covered. Hyperproof is a risk and compliance management platform that can help you manage compliance at scale. With Hyperproof, you can quickly add new frameworks, crosswalk controls between frameworks, view your risk posture, and manage your risks all in one place. Visit hyperproof.io to get started today. That's H-Y-P-E-R-P-R-O-O-F dot I-O. All right, everybody. I've been really coming in hot. Got a lot of coffee flowing through me right now. Um, I did miss some of the chat. Um, I saw Jazzy Jazz asking about school. I'll talk about that at jawjacking. I see a lot of great community stuff going on. Um, let's do some fun jawjacking at the end of the stream. But right now it's the mid-roll, which means only one thing. Nice. Everybody, super love it. 330 of us coming in strong right now on this Friday. All those college students who are back to school this week and started their weekend last night. Uh, thank you for rolling out of bed and turning on the stream. We're happy to have you. Guys, if you're getting an educational value, if you're getting entertainment value, do me a solid. Hit the like button right now on the stream. It simply goes a long way to helping other people find the stream, okay? If you want other people to find the stream, if you want to pay it forward, hit the like button at some point, preferably right now while we're, we're, while we're hanging out. It goes a long way to helping. It's probably how you may have found it. Retired federal cyber guy, not sure how he found the stream. Maybe it's because all these likes got dropped. Either way, uh, I want to say again, shout out to the first timers. Uh, super happy to have you. Thanks again to the stream sponsors, uh, Barricade Cyber Panopsi uh, and Anti-Siphon Training, Black Hill Information Security, um, training arm, right? It's a subsidiary of them. They're awesome. They're here to disrupt traditional training industry by providing high quality, cutting edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. Their instructors are awesome. Their content is awesome. They're doing blue team summit right now. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. Go to the link in the description below and go to the pay what you can training if you want check out all their training but the pay what you can training i think is dope you can see there's eight classes here but there's so many more than these eight as they're doing blue team summit maybe you got the miter attack education yesterday they have professionally evil uh appsec coming up in september guys there is a mountain of opportunity and you get to pay what you can for this training. I can't endorse this enough. I'm really, really happy that they've decided to sponsor the stream. Um, I love, you know, like love them. Thank you for supporting the stream. But I would have been telling you about this anyways. It's such a great opportunity. So don't sleep on it. Guys, holla, 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 the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, we had a great one, um, a great one yesterday. Luke shared his cyber story on LinkedIn. Go find the post. Amazing story, um, a lot of sacrifices. Knew he found InfoSec early, but didn't know it was a field. Had to, you know, in order to take a job and pursue his dream, he had to sleep in uh, his car. He had to sleep in his friend's closet. Made it work. Guys out there grinding and uh, following his passion. I love it. Super happy to meet you, Luke. 
and look forward to having that beer with you. Luke has tagged. Normally we ask him to tag someone. Luke has tagged Kyle Murphy. Kyle Murphy is going to go on LinkedIn and post his cyber story and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you want your LinkedIn feed to be full of supportive, inclusive, awesome cybersecurity content and resources, go find those posts, comment on them, then connect with the poster and the people in comments, and watch yourself get pulled into the peloton of people connecting and posting comments. In two weeks' time, you'll keep wanting to do it, but in two weeks' time, you're going to start to see your LinkedIn feed be awesome. You're going to start to see really interesting cybersecurity content, supportive statements, people celebrating wins, people sharing their thoughts and perspectives in a civil way. Open discourse. I love it. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's one of my favorite things that has organically grown out of the Simply Cyber Community. Please build your network. Take it with you. It is yours, right? It's yours, and it's so, so freaking valuable. Today is... Grayson's joke of the day. Sadly, we're getting used to new routines. Kids are back to school. Um, we, we don't have a joke of the day. Uh, but I will tell you, I will tell you a little uh, kind of a blend of Grayson Tidbits Tuesday kind of thing. Um, you know, Grayson, we got, him, we got him a cell phone. So little man's uh, moved on to tech stack. So we'll see how that goes. Big moment for a parent when you get your kid a cell phone. So uh, no joke today. James McQuiggan is out. So we're we're kind of left in the lurch. If Carrie's in chat and wants to drop a joke of the day, would definitely appreciate that. Otherwise, let's uh, continue the, uh, the, the, the news and, and uh, finish strong. And then I'll see you at jawjacking. Kittensec threatens to pwn anything they see. This new hacktivist group claims numerous attacks on government and private sector organizations in NATO countries with its stated goal of exposing corruption. According to CyberScoop, the group has attacked and then posted links to data stolen from targets in Romania, Greece, France, Chile, Panama, and Italy. Tom Hagel, a senior threat researcher at Sentinel-1, stated, quote, These groups are now tools in the hands of nation-states concealing their operations behind hacktivist facades, end quote, but also said, quote, Many seek public notoriety, to which CyberScoop added that, although they seek to achieve change, quote, Their impact often falls short of their goals, end quote. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. So Carrie's dropping a joke in chat. Let's see what this is. Do you know Darth Vader's wife is Elevator? <laughs> All right. There's your joke of the day. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So getting back to this story, this is really funny. Um, I'm, it's not funny at all. Okay. So uh, this is not a political show. Okay, guys. Uh, Dash dropping a joke of the day. Why did the computer go to the cyber cafe? Because it needed a bite to eat. Thank you. Je definitely appreciate the Simply Cyber community filling in for Grace. I'll, I'm let I'll let them know you guys uh, kept it going and held it down. Uh, hey, listen, uh, really quickly, this is an interesting development. So when you think of, and this is good for uh, people who are new to the industry, when you think of threat actors, okay, not all threat actors are the same. It really depends on two factors. One, what is their uh, skill level? And two, what is their motivation? That's pretty much like the two things that you would say. And it very quickly, so I don't do like a lecture up here. Um, nation state threat sponsored actors, they are highly skilled, highly sophisticated, and um, super well trained. And their, their um, 
they're they're state sponsored, right? So they're motivated for geopolitical purposes, just like you know Lazarus does their things and uh, APT. Was it forty one for Russia Sandworm? And you know the the equation group in the United States. Let's not pretend <laughs> that the U.S. doesn't have um, you know nation state threat level skills. Okay, then there are cyber criminals. Think Eastern Europe, Lockbit, ransomware. These they're well funded. They're 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 uh, financially motivated and they're skilled. Then you've got lower tier people, ransomware affiliates. Um, you know, punks who are downloading rubber duckies and just like plugging them into whatever. Not super skilled, uh, but you know motivated either by money or motivated by curiosity or just whatever. And then the final one I want to point out or revenge. The other one I want to point out is hacktivism. These people are ideologically motivated. There's no amount of money you can give them in order to stop them. These are people who are like anonymous group. Uh, we saw that uh, they're, they're quite popular. Like say, you know, you're, you're opposed to um, the, the oil drilling in North Dakota, right? Maybe that's something you go after. Maybe you're, you think Brexit's a terrible idea or it was a terrible idea, right? And you go after that. So hacktivism is its own thing. And there's a lot of literature on hacktivism. Okay. That's, that's the background. So now let's talk about this story. This is interesting. You don't typically see a blend of nation state with hacktivism normally because the hacktivists are ideologically motivated and the states are not they're they're more you know um deliberate and focused on their missions this one is called kitten sec and they are going to expose corruption on nato countries now this is not a political show but i mentioned yesterday and if you're not paying attention there's this thing called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, and it's basically Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and they're kind of forming an alternative NATO, um, and it's basically like a non-Western uh, influenced alliance, right? So think of it as like the Avengers and then like the X-Men, right? It's, it's like it's like two different two different things, but, you know, a conglomeration of, you know, first world countries trying to make like, you know, an alliance in order to help each other out. Okay, that is fine. This is interesting because this threat actor group, this hacktivist group is targeting NATO countries and trying to expose corruption. Maybe that is their ideological motivation and maybe they are like pro bricks, but it seems tinfoil hat, Jerry, okay? I'm going to keep an eye on this one, okay? Tinfoil hat. It seems interesting. It would be ridiculous for, let's just say, Russia to attack the United States and expose corruption, right? Because the storyline's written there already. You can spin that immediately for like, oh, that it's misinformation. These are planted evidence. But if an ideologically motivated hacktivist group exposes it, well, then it's like, well, they're, they're, they're running independent. They're doing their own thing. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to fabricate corruption information. I'm not saying that there isn't corruption going on, okay? I'm not, I'm not drawing a line to, to those conclusions. I'm just pointing out, it's very interesting that this group is on the scene. Now, you might be like, hey, listen, interesting. How could we ever tell whether or not this is, in fact, state-sponsored? Well, I'm glad I, <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Here's the deal. 
in the world of information security, the way that we're able to say at that beginning, Lazarus Group is the one who tacked that uh, manage engine Zoho service desk and that internet service provider back end is because at the top of David Bianco's Pyramid of Pain, which if you don't know what that is, Google it, David Bianco Pyramid of Pain. I'll just bring it up on screen. I don't know why I said Google it. That doesn't do any good for anybody. Um, and this is like basically uh, how you screw with threat actors and how we do attribution. At the very top, if you can see it, I know it's hard on your mobile device. At the very top is TTPs. And this is really hard for threat actors to change. TTPs, and I always get this wrong and Chad always fixes it for me, are tools, tactics, and procedures. Fact check me, please. But basically, this is how you work, right? This is how you do your job. If you if you always like, um, I don't know, like what's a good example? Like you, you, you're like, uh, you like using Visual Studio for your IDU. You like using Sublime Editor for your text editor. You like, um, you know, a mass for your um, uh, subdomain uh, or, you know what I mean? For your uh, mass uh, reconnaissance, right? Like wh whatever it is, the tools you like to use, the approach you like to use, it, it, it's like a fingerprint. It's how you do work, right? If you've ever gone into a new job, one of the first things you try to figure out is how do we do work here? How do you do work here? And maybe you try to bring some of your best practices in, but those TTPs, that's who you are. That's how you work. And it's very difficult to change how you work. Um, you can you can steal some source code. You can change some language and put like Russian Cyrillic comments in the comments, but you're actually like, you know, um, you know, coming from a European country or something like that. But for the most part, we use TTPs in order to give us higher levels of confidence on attribution, okay? So all this is a long story to say that, A, I'm interested in following this story. This is going to be a thing. Kitten sec is gonna be a thing. I'm claiming it right now, August 25th, 8.42 a.m., Mark Tape. What will be interesting though, is when we begin to see more and more compromises happen, and they're gonna happen, the TTPs and the attribution will begin to flesh out. Now, state-sponsored threat actors are going to be a little bit better about massaging and disguising their TTPs. But at the end of the day, guys, you know, the way you work is the way you work. And there's only so many of these threat actors, right? We might think that it's like an entire army, but in reality, Lazarus Group is five guys, okay? They rotate two of them, but it, for the most part, it's like five guys, okay? So... There's only so many people and you, can, you can't change the way that they work. So we'll see. That's all there is to this one. This is more of an informational awareness than it is do something about it. Thousands of unpatched OpenFire XMPP servers still exposed. Oh, cool. We can raid. Sure. I'm still going to do jaw jacking though. Fire XMPP servers remain unpatched against CVE 2023-32315 and are susceptible to a new exploit. The vulnerability, which could permit unauthenticated access to restricted pages, affects all versions of the software released since April 2015, starting with version 3.10.0. Its developer, Ignite Realtime, fixed the issue earlier this May with the release of versions 4.6.8, 4.7.5, and 4.8.0. A Shodan scan performed by Volncheck revealed more than 6,300 internet-accessible OpenFire servers, with half of these running the vulnerable versions. All right. Uh, just for the sake of time, because uh, Neil is doing tea with a hacker, I do want to do jawjacking, though. Uh, so we're, we'll try to do all these things. 
Uh, and BSEC, if you can drop a link to the Tea with a Hacker so I can drop that when the time's right. Um, now the podcast sounds low. I haven't touched the volume. Uh, all right, let's do this. I bumped it up. Here's the deal. If you're running open fire in your environment, you should know. If you don't know, that's fine. You can use Shodan. If you don't know what Shodan.io is, you should absolutely add it to your uh, playlist or book. Why is Shodan? Not? Oh, because I spelled it wrong. Um, this is Shodan. Um, definitely do add Shodan to your list. You should absolutely know it. Second of all, um, you can use Shodan to look for these XMPP uh, open fire servers and in your uh, IP range. You should know what your external IP range is. If you don't know that, check with your networking people. If you don't have networking people, check with your ISP. You should know what your, or you can even do a, a, a trace route out and see what your IPs are. But anyways, there's enough ways to figure it out. Then you can scan and look for these open fire XMPP servers. And then you can find it. It's a 7.5 CVSS score. So it's not gnarly, but you should know that it is internet facing. It is a high severity. It is being actively exploited. It does have a patch. So go fix it. Now, I, one thing I want to point out here for people, because sometimes people are like, oh, like, why didn't you just patch it? Here's the deal. I want I want everyone to know this, okay? Sometimes you can't patch things. If if this is something junior analysts and junior engineers make mistake about all the time. Um Hey Cat GPT, yeah, it's awesome. So here's the thing. Sometimes you can't patch. Sometimes you need to figure out alternative solutions. But why can't you patch? That seems ridiculous. I always patch my work top my work laptop and my cell phone and stuff. Here's the reality. In business, with business networks, sometimes you can't have downtime. You just can't have downtime. Can't have it. Not going to happen. We're busy season, Black Friday, whatever. We can't have it. Second of all, sometimes you have so much custom junk put on that server that if you were to patch it, you would break backward compatibility because, you know, whatever. You have some janky thing that somebody made who used to work here in 2007 that is now somehow considered critical infrastructure and you can't patch it. A perfect example of this is if you remember the OPM data breach, and if you don't remember it, it's fine. This is the Office of Personnel Management. Catherine Archuleta got fired for it. This was a massive breach. If you ever had a security clearance in the United States, you know what it is because your data got compromised. There was... It, and the reason the bad guys got in was through an Ap Apache struts vulnerability, internet facing. The patch had been out for a long time. Archuleta got fired partially because of it. And if you dig into the details, Apache struts isn't something you just like click update and walk away. Like it, it was like highly customized and highly configured and patching it would have broke everything. So they didn't, right? Ultimately, they didn't put in better defense and depth, but that's what happened. So just know... If you get asked a question in an interview about like, what do you do if there's like this problem out here? You could say patch it, but make sure you have more information than just patch it or you're going to expose yourself as not, not really knowing the whole picture of, you can't just patch it all the time. That's not, that's not. And if you're a pen tester and your pen test report says, found these vulnerabilities, remediation, patch it, period, and end of things, that's not massive value either um, because the business probably knows that they should patch it. Um, so anyways, if you got this open fire stuff, find it, patch it, or come up with some alternative method if you cannot patch it.
Google Chrome to warn when downloaded extensions are declared malware. A new feature currently being tested in the Chrome browser will issue a warning for users who have installed an extension that has since been removed from the Chrome Web Store. This is intended as a kind of reactive warning, since oh, users yeah. who downloaded scam extensions may not be aware of the fact that the app has been removed, given that the detection and removal of these scam extensions is a never-ending activity for Google. The feature is intended to be installed in Chrome 117, but is available for testing in Chrome 116 by enabling the Extensions Module in Safety Check feature. Yeah, good. I'm glad Google's doing this. This has been a massive pain point um, for me in, in my you know practicing of InfoSec over the last couple of years. So here's the deal. Google Chrome extensions are awesome. You can't see them. I've got a bunch of them, okay? I run Bitwarden. It's an extension. I run Notion. It's an extension. I got other ones in here. Loom, right? Extensions are cool. They run in your browser. Threat actors know this. Threat actors write extensions. The extensions get posted to Google. Google can't check all of them. They can't tell sometimes when it's malicious versus not malicious. And they're coming up with ways to help detect if they are malicious, which is great. They already kind of do this. But how, how, would a, how would a victim get hit? And this is a good opportunity, um, bigger picture, to educate your end users about this. If you go somewhere and you get a pop-up, literally a pop-up, like it's 1997, that says, oh, like, you know, we're trying to show you this PDF or we want to play this MP4 for you, but you need to run this extension, pop-up, install. You might be getting compromised at, like at that moment, okay? That's how they get the extensions installed on your box. Second of all, I know you can check your extensions and they're like, like, look, they look like little tiles. If you have a known malicious one, it will be red and it will say malicious, okay? Or potentially malicious. I have helped end users before who their machines get compromised, right? So it's showing up on my EDR dashboard and I call them and I'm like, what are you doing, Carl? And he's like, oh, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, okay, share your screen. All right, go to your extensions. And like one of the tiles says malicious and it's like, you know, throbbing red. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, is that bad? I'm like, malicious isn't good. Like, where did this come from? He's like, oh, I was trying to read a PDF. I'm like, oh my God. So, but here's the thing, guys. You can never, you can never crap on your end users. They are not InfoSec professionals. Many of them are not IT professionals. You have to not assume that they know what they're doing when it comes to technology, right? So we, it's our job to be their champion. It's our job to help protect themselves from themselves. So just know that I love that Google Chrome's doing this because it's basically helping automate and it's a force multiplier for people like you and I who have to deal with end users who click on everything and install silly things. All right, be mindful. And producers fight fakes with microtransponders. The famous and ancient cheese, officially called Parmigiano-Reggiano, is loved around the world for its distinctive flavor and also holds PDO status, which means that, like champagne from France and port wine from Portugal, only the cheese produced in the Italian provinces of Parma and Reggio Emilia can use its name. This has naturally given rise to a flourishing trade in counterfeit Parmesan, whose $2 billion a year revenue matches that of the original. PDO producers are now inserting U.S.-made microtransponders the size of a grain of salt into the QR labels found on the rind of the cheese wheels to act as anchors back to where the individual cheese wheel was made. All right, cool.
Have you ever wanted? All right, so a couple things here. Um, who knew? Who knew that there was like a a dark web trade for Parmesan Re Reggiano? I I didn't know that. Um, but very cool. Obviously, you know, you know, this is straight cash, homie. We're talking about money now. Okay, this is interesting because it's a it's a rind of cheese. They're basically trying to do supply chain, um, you know, authenticity. That way, when you buy a wheel of Parmesan cheese, you can tell that it is in fact a wheel of Parmesan cheese and not a fake one. Um, I'm not saying, okay, so I'm not saying one way or the other. Thanks for the uh, squad. Uh, thanks for the uh, sub. So focus. Here's the deal. Um, if you bought black market Parmesan cheese, and it tasted like Parmesan cheese, w w you know, I'm not saying would you care, but like, I I'm curious who the transponders for, like, is it, is it like restaurants aren't like producers, like, you know, Cisco or whatever, aren't allowed to purchase knockoff Parmesan cheese. And I get it. It's a, it's a trademark. It's a proprietary thing. It's intellectual property. My point is, I, I like the idea of the tech. What I don't understand is what is the what is the reason? Is the reason that if you buy a, you know, $2,000 rind of Parmesan cheese that you as the buyer can confirm the authenticity of it? Or is it for the Parmesan producers to, in, to curb um, piracy? I'm mean, not piracy, but like knockoffs. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But guys, what another thing I want to point out um, is that this isn't new. This is not new what they're doing, okay? This is not um, new. Like, when RFID came out in, like, the mid-2000s, right? I mean, it was around, but people were like, oh, let's slap RFID tags on everything. We'll track everything. We, like, we were talking for a minute about, like, smart grocery stores where you just put crap in your shopping cart and walk out the door, and RFID will do everything. RFID for supply chain. Transportation and logistics. No, no longer do you need to, like, you know, count the things on the pallet. You just forklift it into a truck, goes through an RFID gate, and it knows everything. It was, like, supposed to be the magic solution for everything, and you see where that got us. Like, I mean, I don't think RFID, I know if RFID is still in use in market, but it didn't, as far as I know, it didn't revolutionize everything. So I get this. This is fine. It's, it, but it's more of the same, right? Like it's still, it's still, um, it's very similar. Okay. I just want to give a shout out. Nal Daniel, who's in Italy is saying that this is a big problem for local producers. Um, yeah, I mean, if you are a legit producer of Parmesan Reggiano uh, cheese, um, obviously you don't want knockoffs um, cutting into your, basically cutting into your um, revenue. I, again, I just, the question to me is like, who is this for? Like, like it's fine that they're doing this, but then you need to implement, um, you need to implement standards that like you're not allowed to purchase counterfeit cheese and or counterfeit cheese is not allowed to be sold in stores or sold in whatever right so you know interesting use case um we'll see how it goes i just yeah i don't know all right guys i think that's going to do it for the news today um i do want to remind everybody i'm super super excited about this if you want some more action I am the guest today on Cybersecurity Headlines Week in Review. Okay, let me copy this. 
This is going to be at um, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time today. So 3.30 p.m. Eastern time today. Uh, CISO series, I am a guest. I am a guest, okay? Um, the podcast we listen to is based on cyber headlines. Some of the top stories of the week have been rounded up and I will be uh, part of the group who will be openly discussing it in a live stream. I would ask you if you have the time, come out. I Personally, I know this is a selfish ask, but I would love to see a Simply Cyber community raid on this stream later today at 3.30. I think it would be awesome. I would appreciate the support personally. Um, and if you got stuff going on, you're cutting out early because it's Friday. Um, I get it. That's cool. No, no sweat. But um, if you can be there, please. Uh, is it recorded or live? It's live. It's a live stream, uh, Gary. Um, I'm sure it'll be available on on replay, but it will be live. That, that's why I'm asking. We could, we could take over chat. I, like, basically, I think it would be awesome to do a raid on this stream later today. Um, so please, if you got it... Um, holler at it um and i'll i'll send a reminder in uh discord for the sc notify people uh oh funky monk thanks a lot all right guys hey really quickly if you were here just for the news i'd like to uh wish you a happy um a happy friday have a great weekend you guys crushed it um it is not going to be on my stream i could ask them if i could pair it i, I don't know um hold on let me paste the link in chat All right, hold on. That's the link right there. Can I pin this thing? Yeah, there we go. All right. Now, if you're here just for the news, uh, thank you. Have a great weekend. Genuinely appreciate it. Uh, Kyle Murphy, looking forward to that post. Um, all of you crushed it this weekend. Appreciate all the support you guys do. We're going to have a great weekend, and then we're going to come back strong uh, next week. Now, really quickly, we are going to do a raid, but let's do jawjacking for about 15 minutes. If you were here just for the news, thanks so much. Have a great one. I'm Jerry. Let's go jawjacking. All right, let's get this jawjacking going here really quickly. Boom, boom. There we go. And that this music isn't gonna cut it for jaw jack, and we gotta no 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 no. Come on now. Yes. This is what jaw jacking music is right here, buddy. Alright, guys. I hope you all had a great, great stream. That was a lot of fun. That Parmesan cheese story, we'll have to see where that goes. Um questions coming in hot. Thanks, mods, Jenny, uh, B Sec, Joel, uh, and Kimberly. Uh, simply okay. So Frank's saying simply cyber starting a new tech support job on Monday with a small local SP. Heck yeah! Yes, hey Frank's gonna straight crush it. Congratulations, Frank! Super pumped for you. Luke Canfield saying, how long will quantum be monopolized by state actors? Because I don't imagine the adoption cost will be affordable for anyone else for a while. Uh, yeah, absolutely true. It's a race for the nation states to get that capability. It's like any other technology, in my opinion, uh, Luke. Um, the military is going to have it first, right? They get first crack at it. They figure out how to weaponize it in a way to maintain, basically, uh, national superiority and dominance globally. Uh, and then it'll start trickling down as it becomes more affordable. 
you got to remember too, guys. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm not an expert on these things, but like, you can't run Windows 10 on a quantum computer. Like, you need to write a quantum computer supported operating system, which I'm sure there are some right now. But if I had to guess, they're kind of like Linux was in the 70s at UCAL Berkeley, right? Like, it's probably stripped down. It's probably definitely not not probably. It's definitely not designed for consumers and end users and businesses it's a it's a weapon if i had to guess i would say i'd have to look at like the hyperloop cycles and stuff but if i had to guess maybe five years we're probably looking at um like 2030 2032 for like welcome to windows q12 or windows q you know like they might even call it windows q1 and just start iterating that way but you got to remember, the operating system's got to support quantum. And by the way, when we say quantum, really, like, let's just stop for a second. Modern computers, modern uh, compute architecture is based on binary. Zeros and ones, right? Bits and bytes. We always talk about zeros and ones. Like, nerd. Quantum computers, all it is is trinary, okay? It's zero, one, or zero and one at the same time. So there's three states. Which, which is why it's so much powerful, because you can unlock an entire um, exponential factor higher, right? 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64-bit. It's going to become, you know, 0, 3, 9, 27, whatever 20, you know, 3 to the 4th is, right? So it, it's going to scale much faster. That's why quantum computers are so powerful, okay? But you need, you need, you need software. You can't run... Micro, you can't run Google Chrome web browser on a quantum computer. You'd have to have Google Chrome Q. Okay. You mentioned the Equation Group is a U.S.-based APT. What are some other famous ones? It was harder to Google them than I thought it would be. Yeah, so the thing is, because I'm an American, like the, the term advanced persistent threat, um, it, it, it's very much in the, the eye of the speaker, right? Because I don't, I don't think of the U.S. as a threat. Uh, to me, but like they are nation state equipped first world cyber power. Okay. Um, if you go to miter attack the machine God, uh, I'll do it on stream really quickly. Um, miter attack. Uh, and then go to go here and click on groups at the top. You could see over here on the side. These are all of the documented um, threat actor groups um inside of um that are known and you can see equation group is right here okay now they they don't note the uh country of origin again u.s based but you could see like fin 7 is another popular one but here with fin 7 you could see you know targeting the u.s and it doesn't have a, a country of origin, or, origin either, but you could see. So anyways, MITRE ATT&CK groups, here you go. Uh, Machine God, check that out. Definitely worth it. All right. Um, can you share the Simply Cyber Con Org website again to promote? Yep. Guys, hey, check this out, guys. If you didn't know, we, we're due for a Simply Cyber Con uh, update. The Simply Cyber Conference is coming November 8th, 75 days from now. If you don't know about this, you guys are missing out huge, all right? Simply CyberCon. We can't wait to have you. Um, check it out. November 8th, it's a one-day virtual conference. It is free for everybody to attend. We are inclusive here. I am the MC, all right, obviously. Um, and then we've got four workshops, hardware hacking, fixing your LinkedIn, OSINT from an expert, 
and Jack Scott doing a NIST workshop. I think she's going to be talking about cybersecurity framework. John Strand of us of um, Black Hills Information Security will be keynoting. That, that dude uh, personifies inclusion. Um, and then our speakers, we have track one. Look at this. Look at a lot of Simply Cyber community members in here. A lot of awesome people. Um, we got those in track two. More people. We got Cat GPT up in here. MDK, Joe Hudson, uh, Chuck Sapp, Kimberly McKnight, Dan Reardon, Haircut Fish. Uh, guys, it's like amazing. We've got such an amazing conference lined up for you guys. We got um, shirts and stickers. If you want to sign up, go to the website uh, site right here and sign up. You can literally see there's a huge, oh bro, there's a huge thing right here. You click on that and there you go. You're off and running. We got our sponsors. We got a new sponsor coming on soon. I'll introduce that later. And if you want to share on socials, we well, Kimberly's already made that super easy for you. All you do is copy and paste this into your LinkedIn feed. Use this graphic if you want. And there you go. You're sharing with the community. Boom. So Simply CyberCon, November 8th. Definitely want to check it out. I'm super pumped. It's our first conference ever. It's going to be amazing. The community really came out to support. And I am personally unbelievably excited uh, for it. I also want to say shout out and thanks to all of you. 311 people in chat right now, which is close to what we had for the daily cyber threat briefing. And you guys are hanging out on Jawjack. And so, yeah, yeah, boy, love it. All right, um, let's do a couple more. And then I, I think at 9.15, I'll, we can uh, raid over at um, Neil's. All right. Um, oh, hey, shout out to Samantha Snellen. Samantha giving uh, some support. Guys, I'm telling you, the Simply CyberCon is such a community-driven effort. I happen to be, like, the face of it, but, like, it is there is a village behind it. There's so many people doing so many different things. Aaron and Joel doing the Discord. Um, we got Kimberly and Samantha on the website and cleaning it up. Like, it's just, it's amazing all of the support, help. Uh, Jenny Housley built a CTF by herself just for the community. Like, and so many more that I that I didn't mention, but guys, it's thank you all so very much for all the hard work you do. You're amazing. Um, Bsex asking, can we spend two minutes screaming about hacking education and healthcare for the love of God? Yes, two minutes. Start the timer. Um, I mean, where do you want to start? Like, they're low hanging fruit. Threat actors are all about. And you got to remember, guys, with ransomware as a service model. And right now we're talking about healthcare and education being uh, victim or uh, industries. With ransomware as an affiliate model, you're getting a lot of like jack wagons who are low level of sophistication, but see that straight cash, homie, and want to get access to it. And all they need to do is provide insider access and drop a payload and Lockbit will take care of the rest or Black Cat Alfie will take care of the rest, whatever. And it's very appealing, especially, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 18, 19, had my first job, I was broke, man. I could barely pay rent, you know, like not, I wasn't cutting coupons, but I was certainly eating like Tina's burritos by the handful, um, you know, because they were like 50 cents a burrito and that'd be like my lunch, breakfast and dinner. So I, I get it. When you're, when, when you're financially hurting and this unbelievably easy opportunity presents itself go you know like you're gonna you're gonna be like well that's that's appealing right motivating and then because healthcare and 
um, education and state and municipal um, government are struggling to have budget to invest in protecting their organizations, they become, it's like a perfect storm, super easy, ripe target, financially motivated, hungry, uh, you know, per, you know, explosion of threat actors. And I use threat actor loosely there because you're a, you're an affiliate of a ransomware. So you're not really, you are part of the threat actor, but you don't necessarily know what you're doing. Um, it, it, it's a perfect storm, right? Siso Series is in chat. What's up, Siso Series? How you doing? We, we were sharing already, Siso uh, Series, if you didn't know, that later today... Hold on, where is it? There it is. Boom, baby. We shared this on chat. It's actually the pinned chat right now, Siso Series. Uh, just just prepare yourself, Siso Series. You're, 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 like, you're in our base camp. We're about to do a Leroy Jenkins raid later today on Siso Series um, stream. And you're 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 hearing our battle plans right now, Siso series. So just know the raid's coming. All right. Uh, should upgrading encryption to address PQC be on the roadmap? Um, you Keegan Lannon asking a very good question. Should upgrading encryption to address PQC be on the roadmap? I don't know what the acronym PQC means, but I assume it means uh, quantum computing. Um. Yeah, it depends. It depends, right? So on the map, sure, maybe put it on the roadmap. But here's the thing. You have to do a risk assessment. Like, what are you using encryption to protect? And how? How? what is the likelihood? Oop, get your little risk uh, map out. What's the likelihood that somebody is going to be interested enough in order to use quantum computing to crack it? And if they do crack it, what is the impact of that information getting into the hands of adversaries, right? Maybe... Maybe like Fortune 50 companies with like pharmaceutical patterns, patents or, you know, uh, electronic vehicle technology or military contractors with like F-35 blueprints. Maybe that. But like if you're like a manufacturing company and you're making widgets and yes, you've got a blueprint for your widget. But like is somebody in your market going to invest the time, energy, and effort, and resources into getting quantum computers, and then cracking your encryption, and then weapon. You know, like, I, I think, I think, if I can, Keegan, just to kind of finish my thought, it's something to be mindful of. But like, we have people clicking on silly things and Chrome extensions and bad passwords. Like, I, I feel like the quantum computer thing is like the shiny, gorgeous, wicked, cool new feature on the car, but like. Right now, you, you got like a low air in your back right tire and you're running on fumes on gas. Like take care of the core fundamental things first and then we can focus on, you know, putting heated seats in, in the car. And, and I'm not I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking like more as an industry. Okay, what would be good to learn service now for GRC? Would it be good to learn service now for GRC? All right, so David Beard's asking about service now. If you don't know, service now is like this Goliath um, system that allows people to in implement ITIL frameworks. It allows for like IT service delivery. Um, ServiceNow is great. What I would say is, um, I would not, I would not say learning ServiceNow would make you better at GRC. ServiceNow is just a tool that allows for um, faster servicing, faster delivery of IT services. It it does have GRC modules, but like. 
it's not going to teach you GRC. I, I would learn GRC and then you could implement it through ServiceNow and use the tools of ServiceNow to do it. Uh, but no, I would not. I would not spend time, energy, and effort learning ServiceNow. If you go work at a company that has ServiceNow, they're going to. Um, oh, thanks, CISO series. Yeah, Sweetwater is dope. Um, sir, if you go work for a company with ServiceNow, they're probably a very wealthy company because, like, seven hundred million dollar companies and below, they're not buying ServiceNow. That's like using a cannon to kill a mosquito. Now, if you're a Fortune 500 company and you got tens of thousands of employees and stuff, and you got IT all over the place, then yeah, you're gonna you might implement ServiceNow. And believe me, the second you get there, sign your paperwork. Here's the bathroom. There's the coffee machine. Here's your ServiceNow training. Call me in an hour. Like you'll get trained up. Don't sweat it. Carl's asking. We got two minutes before we raid. I heard someone on the podcast mention that we are at peak FUD in your career. Can you think of another time when FUD was even more ubiquitous? Jesus, how about Y2K? You want to talk about FUD? I'm not saying that... Um, I don't want to say that like it wasn't unwarranted because there was Y2K issues. But guys, in 1999, uh, when before I had gray hair and stuff, <laughs> dude, Y2K, it was like people were losing their mind. It was like it was going to turn into... Um, Kurt Russell's Escape from New York at midnight on 2000. Uh, people were like over the over the top with like, ah! like it was going to be dystopia. It was going to be Hunger Games the next day. Um, and nothing really happened. Again, a lot of people worked their butt off in order to transition systems to be Y2K safe. But the level of angst that everybody had with this like looming logic bomb that was coming was out of control. Um... The cyber shed, great news, Virus Lab. Um, the cabinets came yesterday. Mrs. Jo Osier assembled them yesterday, and I think they're going to get installed this weekend. Um, I got big news uh, coming. Um, September 5th is really, really big news. So me moving into the studio might coincide with this really, really big news. So I'm super pumped to share that with everybody. I'm going to do a whole, like, you know, MTV Cribs selfie video of, of the studio when it gets up there. Uh, we got one more minute before we raid. I'm going to do uh, lightning rounds here. David Meese, love the Cyber Unlock, breaking into Cyber Guy. Gerald, I was going to ask, do you use Canvas to create it? No, I didn't. David, I use Google Sheets. I downloaded a book template put it in a, and put it in Google Sheets and uh, did that. If you want, David, I will happily share that um, template with you. If Just ask me offline. How many CPs is a CyberSecon worth? Holy crap. Great question, Elite Gunslinger. It's 11 to 4. So a CPE is one hour, so technically five hours. If you do the training, you can add a couple more hours. So I'd say five to seven. Uh, thanks for the show uh, from Steven Alvarado. Thanks for the show. Today was my first live. Hashtag Team Live. My man, good to see you. Um, what's up, CISO <laughs> Series? Hey, oh, okay. Woo. Good thing Jesse Johnson said shh. Um, um, congrats. Oh, my God. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Give me, hey, can we get a link? Uh, we're going to raid simply uh, uh, Neil Bridges Cyber Insecurity. Give me one second, y'all. Copy link. All right, let's do a raid, okay? A raid is basically where we all, as many of us that as we can, go into someone else's stream and we do hashtag simply cyber, okay? So um, hashtag simply cyber at this uh, stream, okay? 
This is Neil Bridges, Cyber Insecurity. He's got a very similar uh, stream. Good guy, um, smart. He's worked in the industry a very long time. Uh, he's a friend. Uh, the GRC course will be on sale until Sunday at 11.59 p.m. James McQuiggan in the house, my man. All right, guys, let's go wrecking ball. Let's go wrecking ball style. I'm not even going to play the outro. I'll see you guys over there. Let's go raid Neil's stream. Guys, I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. Have a great weekend. I hope to see you at 3.30 for the raiding of the CISO series weekend review. It's going to be a good one. Peace out, everybody.